Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Welcome to The Line the sports podcast from PR Week. Hi, and welcome to The Line, the PR Week sports podcast in collaboration with Cake, recorded here at the HKX building in St Pancras. We are talking sex, violence, booze and drugs, and that's before we even get on to brown paper envelopes full of cash and dawn raids. So we're talking about crisis and crisis management in sport. Sometimes I think, Danny, that I get interested in sport for the crisis and then stay for the sport sometimes. It's quite often you see, you know, we're going to talk about Ben Stokes and the video that we've probably all seen at this point um wayne rooney drink and drive story the fa's uh, mark sampson story's response to that the sacking of sam allardyce uh jerry barton and his betting habit then we go back to tiger woods and the fire hydrant the list of sports crises is a long one so how are we going to do it who we got well we're very lucky we've got phil hall in the studio and phil now runs one of the biggest pr agencies in the uk pha associates and Phil, of course, was editor of News of the World back in the uh, 90s for quite a few years, and Hello! magazine as well. So uh, he can see crises from both sides of the, uh, of the divide. So, Phil, let's, um, let's start by talking about the crisis that's really hit the headlines in the past few weeks. Mr Stokes of the England cricket team. Do you feel that crisis has peaked? Is it kind of going to carry on? How, how serious is it? I, I don't think it has peaked uh, because we don't know the facts yet. And I think this is half the problem, really. It, it doesn't necessarily suit journalists, uh, and I speak as a former one, to have all the facts because the less facts you have, the longer the story will run for because clearly bits will come out bit by bit. But I do think, um, I think the ECB have handled this pretty well, really, because they haven't been drawn into long conversations about it. They've made a very short, sharp statement and uh, they're clearly now investigating or waiting to find out the result of a, of, of a police investigation. It's, it's a strange one, isn't there? Because there was this killer video, you know, this video I think The Sun got hold of, which is very explicit. Do you think the video has changed the nature of the, these sort of crises? I do. I think citizen journalists now has made it 
very difficult for anything to go away, really. And, and you know, people say the camera never lies, but it does because, you know, let's make up the scenario that actually, you know, Stokes was, was uh, baited in, in, inside the um, pub. He was uh, being attacked with a bottle and he struck out. Well, that doesn't, that's not necessarily shown on a camera. So one of the great problems is, is you're horrified when you, when you see that video. But again, you don't know the full facts. The other, the other bit to that, the, as you say, the start, we know the end of the story. We see the right hook. But the beginning is cloudy, and that's where the doubt is. Yeah, and I think there's clearly a principle here. You know, should he and Hales have been out drinking two days, I think it was, before the, the next big uh, match against the West Indies? And that clearly is, is probably unforgivable for a top sportsman. But then, of course, they do get picked on, and it, you know, it can run out of hand very quickly. We've seen that many times. And so, I, I, you know, I do think you're right. You see the end, you see the sort of the last picture, which horrifies you. But we don't know what's gone on before. And Piers Morgan was the was the person who broke that, or, or seemed to break a story yeah. there in terms of the. I got to tell you, Piers. The there's nobody anywhere in in this country who's got better contacts in cricket than Piers. He's he's brilliantly stoked them by inviting many top players to play in his uh, local pub cricket match once a year, and he's kept those relationships. And he's very good at uh, you know networking his peers and. Uh, so he would have got that from right inside the England camp. And, uh, you know, I have to say I would lean on it because, lean towards it rather, because Stokes just lashing out for the, for the sake of it, it does seem rather unlikely, I have to say. And you, you say that the ECB appears to have handled it well. Do you think that it'll get better now and that Ben Stokes will go to the ashes? I think I think he'll go to the ashes. I think... There'll be an awful lot of pressure on the authorities. I'm talking about the police and uh, you know, the investigating bodies because, you know, the newspapers are watching very closely. And the police don't behave normally in these situations, in my experience, where they know they're under the spotlight. They, they move a lot fast. But it, it depends, of course, on what the facts are. It depends whether it's conclusive. Quite often in these uh, sporting crises, there's the media handling side of things and then there's the legal side of things. There's often a legal case that goes along with the media. And, and there is indeed in the Ben Stokes case and, and quite a few other examples. When is it right to go legal or when should you not go legal? I mean, I, I think if you've got a, a long term relationship with the press and you need to keep that going in the long term, then going legal should be almost a no-no, certainly legally against the newspapers. Clearly, when it's a police investigation, I think my advice always first first port of call is to say there's a legal there's a police investigation going on. And we're making no comment until um, you know until we know the outcome of that. But um, going legal against the press, all that does is wind them up. You end up with for the next five years finding you know somebody with a bit of a grudge against you, and it, and and I also think going legal is a sometimes it's seen as an admission of guilt. You know, why would you go legal if you're an innocent man? And um, sometimes, yes, you've got to go through the pain of two or three months of things being investigated and your life being turned upside down. But actually, generally, the truth the truth is outed at the end. And I think, so I think going legal is an is a absolute no-no. Yeah, for quite a few years, we had the, uh, the injunctions and the super injunctions. That was largely to do with um, footballers having affairs, I seem to remember. Yeah. Um, uh, John Terry and Ashley Cole and all of that. Yeah. Has, have we seen the end of those days of injunctions? I think so. I think uh, the last one was Ryan Giggs, and uh, that uh, that caused a lot of controversy at the time. And I think I think we have seen the end of those super injunctions. I think I think people have become aware that what the damage it does to the the, the individual's reputation. And it, but it does depend on the circumstances. Again, you know, you, 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 I mean, I've certainly been involved in cases where. We went for a super injunction because somebody's health was at risk, or there was, or there was a, 
a child at risk in a particular situation I can think of um, where a newspaper were you know digging around actually in an area which would affect the children's uh, future so there are still circumstances but I think that they're generally no longer being pursued. And going back a couple of uh, decades you were on the other side of the fence you were editor of News of the World and presumably you broke big stories big crises about uh, sports people did you feel like you had to get that person did you, did you have to go after them no it, it just doesn't work it's, it's impossible I mean there were rumors about a particularly well-known commentator that, that at the time and uh, we looked at it, it it's impossible you, you unless you've got somebody on the inside it's very very difficult I mean, clearly that changed when phone hacking came along and there were, you know, some illegal activities taking place. But in my, certainly in my time, and I left in 2000, the, you had to have an inside track. So probably the most notorious story I did was um, Lawrence Delalio and uh, the cocaine shame. And he told us the entire story. I mean, we were accused later of a honey trap, which was nonsense because it was a guy and a girl reporter who uh, met him to talk about his uh, commercial deals he was doing. And he freely started talking about you know what he was doing but it was interesting because the reaction of the public was to the paper was terrible we lost circulation over it people don't like to see their their heroes torn apart and uh, it was a very difficult one and we were due to run a second part and on that occasion we actually spoke to the rugby union authorities who were criticizing us and said well let's show you the film that we've got and we showed them the film and we made an agreement that they would say no more and we would say no more um, so it's uh, it's tricky and in Lawrence's case it must have been fairly well handled on his side of things because he did end up being England captain again and he did he got he got he got accused or prosecuted for bringing the game into disrepute so I think they felt he had behaved badly which he had uh, you know just by talking to strangers in such an open and naive cavalier and naive way and um, but you're right I mean you know punishment's got to fit the crime I don't think he hadn't harmed other people third parties and I think suspending him was the right thing, and when he got his England captaincy back, it was the right thing too. What's the the there's a commer, there's always a commercial angle when you've got someone of that such a status. They come with sponsors, and sponsors quite often use them as role models and position them as role models. And and do you think that is tricky and dangerous territory for a sponsor? I think it's very difficult. I think. What happens when you when you have that sort of role model? It, it makes him a target. It puts a target on the individual's back, as far as the press are concerned. Especially it again it depends on the circumstances. But if you're trying to paint somebody as being whiter than white and you know very sort of family orientated and and you're, you're projecting that, and then suddenly he's cheating on his wife and you know misbehaving, then you've made them a target. And and it's interesting these days with the way the privacy laws have changed in the last 15 years. So you know certainly when the, the Red Tops would do a story about anybody having a relationship outside their marriage. Now, people are entitled to their privacy. It's changed. Um, and unless you've got a real a lever to run the story, it's very difficult. You've got to have a, well, this person's taking a million pounds and conning the public into thinking he's, you know, this perfect paragon of virtue when actually he's something else. Then you, you've got a reason to run the story. But without that, it's very difficult. So actually the commercial angle is a, is a lever that is handed to the to it's, the media. That's the route that they'll go. But I think actually the, um, the I think the balance has tipped more in favour of the the PR and protecting people now than it than in favour of the newspapers because because of the privacy laws and because actually the public are tired of that type of story. It, it's got to have something that 
you know, has a real merit to it. Other just a you know, sex for sex sake in newspapers no longer is is in vogue. I think. The line is sponsored by Cake, the Havas Sport and Entertainment Agency. What about when it it moves from that sort of personal realm? So you've got you know a a, a John Terry or a, a a Rooney or a Stokes, and then it moves into becoming more of a corporate issue for the governing body. Um, What's it like being in the sort of eye of the storm when that when a story breaks like it's that? It's very difficult because the, the corporate body to have a uh, you know a good profile needs to have relationships with journalists going forward, and of course journalists will you know they work with the corporate bodies so they'll do positive stories about them when they ask them to. Sometimes maybe when a story hasn't got quite that newsworthiness, they'll do them a favour and do do that positive story, and then of course you get a crisis. They want that favour returned. They want to know what's going on. And that can be very difficult because at the end of the day, the corporate body's got to protect the organisation and sometimes the individual. Again, I, you know, I found very difficult sometimes is getting the truth. You know, people go into denial when they're accused of doing bad things or they haven't told, you know, partners or commercial partners that, you know, the, the, the full story. So from a PR perspective, it can be very difficult to represent somebody unless you know the full facts. I mean, it's the first thing you ever say when you're representing a corporate company, we must know the full facts. The PR has to be at the, you know, the top table to understand the full, the full dilemma. Um, and so it can be very difficult defending people without having that absolute assurance that they've, they've got the whole story. That's always the scene in the in the film, isn't it? Well, tell us everything. Yeah. That's always the, the it's exciting true, bit. It's true because, and also one of the difficulties is often the person who's the target or the victim of this, this press story doesn't necessarily realise the significance of something. So they don't, won't, won't realise that maybe this this commercial deal is, is under threat because of you know, the way they've behaved. And um, so trying to get them to realise the severity can sometimes be very difficult. And do you have a, a kind of a Phil Hall checklist? You know, if a, a sports person comes to you and goes, Phil, you've got to help me here I'm in the middle of a storm uh, and they tell you what's happened, do you go through a list of things to, I, to do? When I started, I did. And now I've realized, I've just torn the whole thing up because I realised every <laughs> single one is different. It depends on the on the individual, how strong they are. You know, some people are, are wilting under it. Some people are, are more determined because of it. Um, so it depends. It depends on that. It depends on the stakeholders. You know, it could, it could be the football club. It could be the wife. It could be the family. It could be, and depends how they're reacting to, to to something. Because you know, people used to say, well, you know, the strongest, most powerful word in the English language is sorry. So you say sorry, and uh, you know, it goes away. Well, it doesn't because the newspapers then say, well, actually. You've now admitted it. You're free game. So they'll go after other stories about you. So it's, you know, the times to say sorry and move on, move the agenda on, of long past. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, there is no rule now. It depends entirely on the circumstances. But the most important thing, going back to journalistic values, is, is knowing the facts and, and being how, able to uh, yeah. be sure the facts are true. So you have to get your client to tell you everything, which yeah. must be difficult. It at, is at difficult. Times. And sometimes, you know, we use lawyers to do that. You know, we sit... We'll find when they're in a lawyer's office, they suddenly realise the severity of what's happening and asking, you know, very direct questions and very detailed questions. Um, you get the sort of answers that you need to, to, to better give proper advice. What do you do if you think your client might be lying to you? Just 
go completely quiet. So no statements. I mean, I've had many times where a client said, well, I think we should put a statement out saying, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm thinking that it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. And so my advice then is always to say nothing and try to get to know the client a little bit better, try and build the trust. And um, once they once they trust you, they will tell you more. And um, I've worked at a couple of football clubs where we were there long term, you know, one with three or four years. And uh, we got very close to a lot of the players. And and I could talk to, you know, others. So one player's in trouble, I could talk to the others and say, is he telling me the truth? And they, and you know, try and work together to, to, to solve the problem. Those those journalistic relationships that you talked about, I mean, the, the, there is a difference between, and we're talking about sport here, so the difference between a sporting journalist contact and the general news desk contacts. And quite often when you're at a story, um, and you mentioned the, the, the uh, Freddie Flintoff and the Pedalo story, and that was relating to how much he was drinking, the cricket pack, at the time came into a lots of sort of criticism because um, they didn't comment on it and some, sometimes they were out drinking with him. Um, but that was seen as relationship building. Yeah, and then the news, when the new, it became a news story, then it changed and the whole tone of the thing alters. And Alistair Campbell did something similar, didn't he, when he went on tour with the British Lions. And, uh, yeah, it, it is, and he, he put the opposite, in fact. He tried to keep a distance. So when, and then every little problem was being magnified. It's very difficult because... A sports journalist can have a very easy day if a cricketer, for instance, is prepared to help him. So Stokes says, I'm going to skittle New Zealand out for less than 100. It's a two-page spread. Life's very easy. They can enjoy themselves. So they don't want to, they don't want to fall out with that cricketer or, or that manager because of the, you know, the, he's helping them do their job. But when the big story breaks, it becomes very, very difficult because certainly as an editor, I'd expect my cricket correspondent to know exactly you know, what was going on. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. I mean, we had we had two or three very good cricket writers, including Richie Benno, and, you know, you would expect them to tell the truth, but... They've, they've got to wake up the following day and then go back into sports mode with a journalist. And so it's very, very difficult. And then, of course, the news guy comes in. And I've had two situations in my career, actually. Uh, one, when, when I was editing a, a newspaper where uh, we've done a showdown with uh, a particular sports person, personality we're doing a story with. And inside the house was one of my reporters advising him <laughs> how, to, how to keep the story out of the paper. Uh, so... Very difficult, and on both occasions I did not dismiss the journalist. I just realised so how difficult it is for him in that situation. So what often happens in newspaper offices is you'll have a you'll have a room where these stories are being discussed, and it doesn't go anywhere outside. So nobody in the sports department knows that a newspaper is doing a story about a sports personality because they know they it's a, it's a conflict of interest. 
Can you think of an example where a sports crisis has been handled really well, either by you or by somebody else, where a, a player has had a tough time and yet been quite quickly rehabilitated? I'm thinking maybe Sharapova, Maria Sharapova, who seems to have come back quite strong in the world of tennis. Yeah, I mean, it's a, an old joke, really, in PR circles, which is, you know, the best PR in football is to win football matches because if you win matches a lot of the problems go away and I think that's very true with with people like Sharapova uh, you know major major stars Tiger Woods this is where it went wrong really for him in that he didn't recover his form you know she's struggling a little bit but she's certainly starting to play better and the the advice over and over again is to just go back and play sport is so powerful and a successful sports person is so revered and and loved around the world that anything can be forgiven yeah. in many ways they have a more power than anybody else in the media spotlight because you know suddenly here you are you, you know John Terry's case he lost his England captaincy he started playing the best form of his life for Chelsea they won the league championship I think they won the the, um, the um, Champions League and suddenly everything's forgotten it's repatriated the, the, the public forgive a sports star and I, you know I, I don't necessarily subscribe to this role model theory I think the, I think those days have you know have gone really I think um, you know these guys are these guys are multi-millionaires they are they are corporate corporations in their own in their own way really and um, and I think these days I'm not sure the public ex- expect particular perfect behavior from them don't expect them to be gentlemen anymore in like no the days I think of so I, more. I think so I mean there are, of course there are cases with something like Stokes in public that film makes it something very significant but I think a lot of things these days the public are prepared to you know, forget because they, they admire the star so much. It's almost like you could say, you know, I, I was thinking about who would... The Tiger Woods story, I think, was a big moment because there was, it was a sort of realisation of the distance between the sort of human being and the brand. And the brand had been cultivated by <clears throat> Nike and Woods' yeah. advisors so brilliantly that actually no human being could live up to that sort of the the poster version of of him um and there's a sort of there's a feeling that the best endorsees you don't really hear from or sorry endorsers so you've got people like, i was just thinking well beckham kate moss tiger woods they're probably the most yes successful brand ambassadors of the last 20 years and they're at their most successful when they don't say anything you're right that's so true it's very hard isn't it i mean you look at tiger woods when he held that press conference and I think he thought he could just say whatever he wanted and it would be forgotten, that would be the end of it. And of course they analyse every word and they, 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 they pick up the, the, the contradictions and, and then pictures start to surface because it's an open invitation you, you, because you're saying, I'm now going to tell you the truth. The truth is I've been a naughty boy but not that bad. And then suddenly pictures start appearing yeah, in, in yeah. red tops in America and, and he gets destroyed again. Uh, so you know, in many ways I think it's a shame that people can't say sorry, but I think sometimes they just have to say, you know, let the let the press play it out. And, uh, you know, maybe the, by saying nothing, it's an admission of guilt to some. But I think generally the truth, the truth comes out, even if it's two or three months later, you know, the store, the score does get settled. So in the, sorry, Richard, in, the, in that situation, is it different from a corporate crisis? Because yeah. 
a corporate crisis, generally the advice is to get all of the bad news out as quickly yeah. as you can for the CEO to appear, to be very open, to apologise, to be seen to be sorting things out. Is yeah. that different for a sports star? It is, I think. I think it's, you know, being blunt about it, it's about money. And, um, you know, follow the money, as they always say. And if, if you've got a corporation that's, that's in meltdown and you don't stem the flow of the blood, it's just going to it's going to hemorrhage until it's too late. So you, you really do have to get out there and... Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, in the case of Ryanair, it's not—it's almost impossible. It's quite clear he didn't realise the, the, you the know, Leary didn't realise the scale of the problem. Mm. So he's gone out there. Now people somehow think he's been misleading. I just think the things run away with him, and clearly the the business is not being run as efficiently as we all thought it was. And uh, but I still think I would still say he was right to go out there because if he hadn't, I think that the trust has gone completely uh, with the public. So yeah, corporate, you you do have to get on the front foot. There was a, it's interesting the, the sort of speed of decision making. I mean, one of the features of the England or the FA over the last year under Martin Glenn has been, seems to be a real desire to be sort of thrillingly decisive when bad news breaks. And, and you certainly saw that around Sam Allardyce. You know, he was, the, the story ran on the Sunday. And I think what happened was that the, um, in fact, the League Managers Association had a golf day on the Monday, and also all the football journalists were at that when the when the FA announced. Oh, yeah. um, it was seen to be very quick, but whether it was right or not, time. Of course, is, Sam is, Allardyce is now suing the FA for for damages for for the speed at which they they reacted. It's yeah. very difficult because, in that circumstance, I would argue that even if if the story is wrong, it made his position. Very difficult. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure they should have sacked him, but I think they could have been suspended. There were plenty of people around the, the game who, who could step in and take his position. But I think it, it's very difficult, and it because all the story now was about Sam Allardyce and was he misbehaving? TV, newspapers, all focused on it. There's no way he could carry on managing the next match and the match after that without questions being asked. And the worst thing, you know, in my experience when you've got a problem is putting any sports personality in front of a pack because the pack become very brave. There's no longer, you know, one person is going to be blamed for asking the question and, and they get together and they, they sort out the questions beforehand and one asks one question, one asks the... So it's very tricky. And then, you know, very often you're in the spotlight and they're reading your body language and, of course, you know, whether you're innocent or not, you're going to be very uncomfortable. And so I think it's a, it's a very difficult situation. I don't think he could have carried on. But as for sacking him permanently, I think that's uh, that's questionable. Yeah. I'm going to bring us right way back to the beginning. I mean, do we thinking of sports stars as brands? The fact that you know PR people manage stars as brands. We like our stars to be a bit flawed, don't we? We we like them. You know, that, that's one of the reasons that we kind of like crises as well. It's true. It's the human side of the people, isn't it? The, yeah. the, the Freddie Flintoff is a classic example. I mean, uh, he's so popular and yeah, he did some pretty crazy, s- silly things. And also, you don't want bland role models, do you, for a, for a brand? So th- this is where, you know, Nike and, and one or two of the others, I think, are very clever. You know, they, they, they support their stars through thick and thin. You know, it, Tiger Woods was an exceptional case, really. But I do think, um, yeah, the, the, the flawedness and the, this sort of... Um, Slightly naughty boy is is what people you know relate is, to. They relate yeah. to, and it's interesting. You know, you the stories run on those sort of people because they're a little bit out of the ordinary. You know, I think one of the exceptions to the rule might be somebody like Frank Lampard, who you know, if you look at him and his record at Chelsea and 
what an incredible role model he's been and how well behaved he's been and you know there's never been a I don't think barely a negative word written no, about the only, him. No, there was that, I think he was involved in that post 9-11. Was he, wasn't he involved with John Terry? And, oh no, there was a, there was a La Manga drinking session, I think, way, way back. I think, and yeah. You've got to be careful, Phil, because he's a Chelsea nerd. So yeah, so I know all yeah, these. Yeah. Uh, You're on dodgy territory. <laughs> all the, all I think details. it was, uh, it was a, it's probably a News of the World story, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, you know, for a man who's lived in the spotlight like he, yeah. like he has, remarkable, really. And th- but still interesting enough, I think, to, to be a role model and to be a, you know, a, somebody that the corporates will buy into. Well, it's interesting. There's a sort of a, a, a strand of some of the big um, sportswear brands, particularly on the, when they're selling women's wear, they are going a different route. They're not using sports people. They're using people like Rihanna, um, yes, Puma, yeah. and... Um, uh, Rita Ora is Adidas, and th- there is a whole area because they feel that they're more interesting. They're more, they're potent, you know, more flawed, but more, let's say, honest with their flaws. There's less t- risk of something breaking. About. You're, re- you're, you're taking yeah. the sort of the the tension out of that, aren't you? Because you know that they're probably going to be in the headlines at some point. That's why you like them. But as you say, we like human beings. We like people. That I we came by a to. sports clothes shop uh, yesterday, and the main range on sale was a uh, Beyond Borg. Uh, yeah, you know, and on you, the back and of you the look, film, probably. Probably on the back mm. of that, but you look at McEnroe, for instance, and what a bad boy he was, and now we all think he's the best thing since sliced bread. Best most interesting tennis player of all time, as a result. Yeah. Most interesting commentator as a result. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've got to be careful what you wish for, I think, but we shouldn't forget the newspapers are about news. That's on the day, there's something happening. They're not really thinking about long term, and they don't necessarily think as badly of the star that they're writing about that they you know as the words seem to portray it's you know it's part of the part of the business and you look at football actually in particular and the more interesting characters are the more controversial ones you know it is Marino who gets all the coverage why it's not because he's you know he's a sort of plain Sam he's out there saying something that's interesting and and you know sometimes questionable what there's a you made your career as a journalist on a Sunday um, I think that's fair to say. You know, that's that's what yeah, you're famous for. Um, the role of Sunday papers and and the the way in which they can take a story and make it a bigger story. Because I'm I'm interested in we call it crisis management. We rush to that word quite easily, and and sometimes it's just there's stories come and go. I mean, what's your take on the role of Sundays then when you were there but also now are they as powerful as they used to be I don't think the papers are as powerful because they're not as well staffed or as well resourced but still we still say can we get past the Sunday on a crisis so you know the the job of the Sunday paper is always to follow up the, the daily papers and get the big new angle on a on a running story they, they were always the biggest sellers of, of any paper so we're still looking at that. We, you know, we still look at that. We still want to try and get past the Sunday. And it, generally, if you get past the Sunday and there's nothing in the Sunday paper of the week, the story's been running, the story starts to fade and, and disappear very quickly. Um, the newspapers, as I said, are under-resourced. They need PRs more than ever, which you know is good for our profession, but sad in many ways because it it means that you know they have to compromise a lot of the time. And and we we get a lot of situations where people come to us with stories where. They haven't got the facts. You know, they've heard a rumor, you know, and they're looking for the PR to give them the story. And clearly, that's not our role. So it's, uh, you know, there's a lot less crisis uh, type stories in the newspapers than there ever was before. And uh, it's why, you know, so many of the pages are filled with politics. It's, it's not, 
you know, the, the investigative work that the Sunday papers used to do. I mean, we would put two or three people on a, for instance, I did a number of the cricket scandals and betting scandals, and we, we'd put two or three people on those stories for three or four months at a time. And there was no pressure on them to deliver a story. They were just to go away and just eke every sort of um, angle out of it and see whether it would stand up, but that doesn't happen anymore. They've got one week on a story and that's it because the resources aren't, won't stretch. We must talk about social media and the effect that's had on, uh, on crises. I guess it's changed the, the handling of an average crisis. And, of course, you've got the ability now for the players to tweet themselves, um, maybe under your advice or not under your advice. How has that changed your world? It's made a massive difference. I mean, in my experience, um, chairman of football clubs pay more attention to social media than they do to a newspaper, which is remarkable because the newspapers have got 100 times more, more people reading them. It's because it's on the moment and it's because they feel a connection because they're doing, they're tweeting themselves or they've got Instagrams themselves. And so they feel this sort of need to respond. And actually, it, you know, my view is always, it's, it's like the man in the pub. He always had a view on Chelsea or West Ham, and, but you, you, you didn't react to it. You're only reacting because you're reading it now and it somehow feels like it's in print. And they shouldn't be reacting to it. You know, they should switch off their social media. Is it always a bad thing for the person to react I, to I social media? So. I think so. Because what are they gaining from it? You know, people may say, well, they feel more connected to the fans. And, and I, I think it goes back to what I said a short while ago. Win, go, go win the football match and you, you don't need to get on social media. So I'm, I'm very wary of it. And the other problem social media has created is, and it's an understandable commercial problem, is that every story about football, for instance, would break in a newspaper now it, it can break on social media. So the, the football club's attitude is, well, let's break the stories on our social media and not give it to the newspapers yeah. or the social media sites. And, of course, that breaks down the relationship because journalists no longer feel, actually, you know, we're in bed with, with the football club and we're all in doing the, you know, we're helping each other. They now see them as opposition. So journalists have become, in my view, a lot more aggressive towards the newspaper because they don't get the help that to, to, towards the football clubs because they don't get the help they used to get. Yeah, there was the, the case of <laughs> Liverpool. I think there was a damaging story about Liverpool and they just cut out all of the journalists, stopped inviting them to the news conferences and therefore the, the standoff got even worse. Yeah, so it's, it's not an answer, right? It's not. And, and what happens is the, the journalists just get more and more aggressive. That feeds the social media frenzy. And I think, you know, you've got to be careful because the newspapers, even if they're not selling in the biggest numbers they're still read online they're still picked up online most of the google stuff is is still the main newspaper stuff so they're still hugely powerful and you've got to treat them with respect okay i think we're there thank you very much phil for your time thanks danny for your time as well as ever um this has been the line the pr week sports podcast which is a collaboration between pr week and cake the Havas Sport and Entertainment Agency. Um, we're available via prweek.com or iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And we'll see you next time. The Line, where sport meets the marketing business.